0: Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Liz here. I'm joined by Brian Brady and Jackson today. And we're just going to sit down and chat about um, the last couple games of the Jets season so far. Just a little bit of a fun roundtable for um, for you all just with the Jets now being officially eliminated from playoff contention, um, we could chat a little bit about maybe how we ended up there the last little bit and maybe just reflect on a little bit of the season as a whole, but not really that whole retrospect type thing about um, going from point A to point B and seeing how we did that. That's more of an offseason type thing. Still a couple games left in the season, so we'll chat about that a little bit. Uh, also worth noting today is April 20th, which may mean something different to a lot of people. To me, it is the four-year anniversary today of game five against minnesota in 2017 2018 i'm starting to feel like i used to get so annoyed the last couple years when oilers fans would talk about they're like oh yeah in 2017 this 2017 that it's like oh my god that was so long ago leave it alone like it's Mm -hmm. getting pathetic now that we talk about 2017 (laughs) so much like it's literally embarrassing like i was still in high school and i am like a completely different person that was a long time ago that is not the same hockey team anymore like why are we still harping on this why are we still harping on this however Today, of all days, I will continue to harp on this because game five against Minnesota um, was one of the most fantastic hockey games I've ever seen in my entire life. It was just so exciting watching those highlights about how engaged the players were, how engaged the fans were. It's just, it's pretty awesome. And hopefully we can get back to feeling like that about our team um, relatively soon,
2: Um, but it's also
1: maybe part of the topic of conversation. Maybe... (laughs) <laughs> we're going to plan to have that in three to four years, or maybe it's going to be a, hopefully get that next year. Maybe it's a, what is it like a, a seven-year plan or something like that? I don't know. <laughs>
0: well, but, um, yeah.
1: Lots to talk about as always. Uh, worth mentioning in case you guys didn't know, Logan Stanley, six foot seven. Is he? I, I think that's a pretty crazy stat. <laughs> in my opinion. We always He's like, literally. we're people on this podcast, right? And I think it's worth noting that Logan Stanley, six foot seven.
0: Guys, he's literally yeah. a top five defenseman in the league.
1: <laughs> Anyways.
3: yeah, well, there be, is only five players for six, it.
0: seven, or higher. <laughs> top five.
1: The math says the math is there for it. <laughs> who
0: knows?
3: He could be
1: um, the
0: next Tage Thompson. Also, uh, <laughs> high <laughs> Six, seven, or higher in in relation to uh, to the date today. Happy four twenty to those who partake. <laughs>
1: happy 420 exactly it's a, it's a big day my <laughs> um my kindergarten best friend also her birthday happy birthday queen so a lot a lot of good things going on today
2: <laughs>
1: um
3: uh, not good thing uh the jets are out of the playoffs <laughs> i mean i guess now it's good
1: who uh, to be possibly see yeah. this coming are, 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 Gall- we
3: are
0: dallas winning right now I, I have no idea. Literally I guess they're not,
3: not tech. Isn't there like a, a there scenario? is one
0: scenario?
3: It, it's like the the t- it has to do with regulation wins over like instead of regulation and overtime wins. I can't remember exactly yeah. how it breaks out, but
0: yeah, Winnipeg the, can still win the or they would win the tiebreaker over Dallas if they won all their games. So. And Dallas lost
2: every single. Still one. got some hope. Then you would oh, still yeah. need. Then See,
0: you would still need Vegas.
3: Jesse Pollock is up. just
1: holding on to this man. <laughs> <See>? <laughs>
0: Do you know what
3: we I gotta make sure that, that we play the vets? Play the vets. We gotta, we gotta push, push for the playoffs, boys.
1: Play what you know. Come on, <laughs> no time to take a risk.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, um, it's time to play the vets. It's, it's just been time to get Big Stan back in the lineup. It's, it's big time. We get Big Stan back
3: in the lineup. That might be genuinely one of the stupidest quotes I've ever seen. What an awful like, quote! Like, and, and that was I was I know that we 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 harp on on the usage of of Stanley a lot, but like, good God, can you can you at least be like, uh, he brings something to the penalty kill, like give some sort of bullshit reason, uh, rather I, than just it's. Uh, didn't he say it's big time to get big Stan? He said big twice. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Did he? I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I gotta look it up, but like, Jesus, what is? I this is the quote. I think. Oh, I lost it. Uh, never mind. <laughs>
1: well I while think, you're sitting on that oh go ahead I got I
3: got, it, I got it here I think the big thing is that's time for big Stan to go back in oh I see
1: <laughs> insanity okay Insanity. I don't get it Gotta and be it's tougher. just so the Jets right now like you said there is still like they're not a mathemat- like yes they are mathematically eliminated like pretty much we can agree to that but in the last couple of games like the chances have gotten slimmer and slimmer every day but Two weeks ago it looked very different than it does right now. It was still entirely a possibility. If you're, you know, motiv- don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. Please. No, I'm
3: just, I'm laughing because I remembered uh, us riffing being like, oh, what do you think they're going to go over the stretch with the last, like, 13 games? And all of us are like, oh, six, five, and one. Uh, well, that's what like- I was about
1: to get into. <laughs> yeah. This team who's, like, sitting there at every post-game conference, they're talking, they're like, playoff push, playoff push, we're motivated, we want to go, blah, 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 whatever. This team in their playoff push has gone three, six, and one in the last 10 games. Which that included pathetic.
3: That, that includes a game against Detroit that they lost. They call on, us a <laughs> on a back-to-back.
1: Coming back-to- off a back-to-back. A,
3: coming off a back-to-back where Detroit had 50 shots against to Boston in Michigan. And then they flew to Winnipeg and played the next day. Like, oh, my they God. Call
0: us, they call us negative, but literally we all overestimated what they were going to oh, cool. do in these next, you know... However, many games.
1: Yeah, take go. that. Shame Ugh. on
0: us, honestly. Like, like we were, we were just overly positive, and you know what? Every time we do that, we just get burned for it.
3: I, I, I don't know. It's just like I, I don't understand why we even put any hope in this team. Like I, I we're starting to sound like Leafs fans, but like, what, what's the point? What, no, what's no, the if point you of
1: it a, a, like a Leafs fan? You'd say. The league is out to get us. There's oh, the a league. reason we haven't been winning <laughs> these things. The refs, they hate us. The league doesn't want us to win major awards.
3: <laughs> Sorry. I, I can't, f- I can't, I'm, I can't. I don't even want to get into the Leafs, man. But...
1: I know. We've already checked off my list. I talked about the Oilers. I talked about the Leafs. Now we don't have to talk about them anymore. <laughs>
3: wow, you're, you're speed running it. Sorry. <laughs>
2: Sorry, yeah, no, in, in hindsight, though, I mean, I, I felt good about most of the trade deadline. Like, I really liked the cop trade and everything. And I thought, like, Sanford, like, whatever, is a fifth-round pick. But I didn't think he'd be on the second line for the majority of, like, the playoff push. So I don't know what the, <laughs> like, especially when you've had, like, Sveshnikov play well with Dubois. I know it hasn't been as magical as of late, but, I mean, I find it insane that, you go from having that line play okay out worst. And then you got Sanford who's tall and big and you're like, Oh, we got to have this guy.
3: And, and like even going back to the game against the Rangers, like at that point, they weren't mathematically eliminated yet. I mean, I guess they still aren't, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and they, say it. And now say they it. I'm not, I'm Jack not Sanford.
1: Content. He knows what it takes to win. He knows what it takes. He to has win. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: That he does, but but he does. But like going into the game against the Rangers, like you see, you see the decision to put, um, because obviously Connor comes back from COVID, uh, whenever it was that he came back, and then so now he's been bumped onto that line with Stastny and Ealers, which then takes him off of Dubois' line, even though him and Dubois have been fantastic together all year, and probably what Dubois needs in order to get back. To, to playing a little bit better and then you go back to Sanford Dubois and Wheeler like what I, I don't I just don't understand even after Morgan Barron has like some of the best games he's played like he he's proving that he's no bum at least he's showing that he can actually be a player on this team and had good chemistry with uh Stassi and It's not that I think that he should stay there long term but while Shifley's out like keep rolling it in my opinion but I don't know. Yeah. I, just don't, I, don't, I just don't see the reason to pull him off and then go, yeah. okay, so the, uh, pending UFA, Zach Sanford is going to be uh, our second line guy. Like, I, I just don't get it.
1: Well, that's exactly it, right? It's like, at this point, what are you really playing for? First of all, Zach Sanford, not that great. We've established that. We know that, whatever. Replace bodies. I don't know. Whatever you want to do to defend the pick, the acquisition, it's fine. Whatever. It's a fine bottom
0: but... sixer if you're, if you're, uh, contending just like keep them there yeah
1: no for sure but like at this point we know we are not contending this man is not going to be on your team in two weeks what is he doing taking up a spot these games don't matter anymore what matters is your own team this guy is basically not even on your team like i'm sorry as mean as that sounds he's really not it's like why what are you like if he was actually like decently fine like it would be whatever but even still like the games don't matter anymore so what are we doing
3: I would bite your tongue knowing that J- the Jets and their loyalty like they'll probably try and re-sign him. Uh, More um, by 4 by 4 maybe. over over, <laughs> four over years,
0: Sechikov. 4 over years Sechikov. 4 million for Zach yeah. Sanford. Book it. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: they're going to they're going to they're going to do the Stanley again and try and prove us wrong for years by keeping him in the top 6. How old is he?
1: Isn't he like
2: Sanford's
1: 27
2: aged? or 28 I believe, right?
0: No, I, I, they won't. Uh, I'm totally joking when he's I say twenty-seven. Four, he's, he's not getting anywhere close to that, but
1: no, but they won't even try and sign him. I don't think.
2: Um, yeah, twenty-seven, yeah, turning twenty-eight next November. The Svechnikov thing is, um,
0: I mean. I'll be honest. I stuck my neck out for Svechnikov all season and you know what? He was playing well. Um, I only, he's played very well as of late. I think he's kind of mentally checked out a little bit. Um, I mean, like, but also
3: like that, that isn't just on him. Like that's part of a coach's job is to like manage personalities and manage people and not just go, Hey guy, we brought in uh, for a playoff push. You're going to play second line. It's like that, that, partially is on Dave Lowry like you can't have your guys checking out while you're in the middle of a playoff run
1: like but that's also Brian I would challenge you to ask who beyond anyone whose name rhymes with Schmichelai Bealers is actually looking like they're playing engaged hockey right now like it's it's been yeah. pretty pathetic across the board I Sveshnikov, it could be also partially because of who he's been playing with lately. And they just like, he looked better when he's playing with better teammates. Dubois kind of looked like ass lately, if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, yeah, I don't know. What yeah,
0: he hasn't been he that great since, since probably about the trade deadline. Honestly,
3: I feel like once he would
1: check out though, like if he's like, if the, if the playoffs are dead, like, I feel like he's just like, I don't care. I'm done. Like, he well, gets
3: that's, on. that's a really underrated thing about like going when we all talk about the Dubois for line. I trade like they're both very streaky players. Like, incredibly streaky players it's like line especially but I think that like dubois goes through his his like his hot streak and good and plays well but then also like kind of checks out uh l- like you guys are saying but also at the same time coming into those like post-game interviews it seems like he's one of the only guys who cares and then like wheeler isn't it's still not coming wheeler hasn't spoken to the media and a while now am I wrong like is that is that not kind of an important thing for your captain to be like yeah we're in the middle of a playoff push but we couldn't beat the Detroit Red Wings uh Um, I don't know what's wrong um we're working only Adam Lowry
1: pretty much does that and comes out and talks to them which is again I'm I'm (laughs) not on the Adam Lowry for captain train but at the same time that's the kind of guy that to me I put some respect on that name when you do things like that because like that's a huge piece of the leadership core. Um, and I actually just want to quickly jump on that. Kyle Connor had a quote the other day where he, it was a frustrated quote, whatever, but I kind of want to dig into it a little bit. Basically, he talked about how some of the guys on the team weren't very engaged anymore and it wasn't helping matters in any way. Who do you guys think he was talking about? Um,
2: or do you think it's just like a general that's a vibe? Tough one. I mean,
0: I, I don't want to speculate because I uh, I do. No I don't, I don't <laughs> Um, Who do I think? I don't know. Um, it's certainly ha- it's certainly not Nikolai Ehlers or Josh Morrissey.
3: I feel like Those maybe
0: are... I feel like maybe
3: on the back end there there might be some guys like I I don't know like I I don't want to harp on Pionk because I think that he's potentially injured, but he just hasn't been the same since he got injured, like since he had his concussion. Like he, he just mm-hmm. hasn't had a great season. And like, I don't know, Brendan Dillon's supposed to be this big, uh, big heavy force on the ice. And like, he's, I don't know if you, if you're going to go to the kind of more, more caveman style of game where you're like, just, just beat them up. Like if Brendan Dillon is supposed to be that guy, I don't, I don't really see that from him. Like, well, he was
0: always, he was supposed to be really good defensively for us when we got him. And he has not been anywhere close to that. <laughs> It's yeah, it's, I
2: mean, he only, I mean, I don't know. He played good for a stretch with um Schmidt, I believe. Yeah. I can't remember who was hurt, maybe him and maybe Schmidt Morrissey.
0: were decent together. It yeah. wasn't Morrissey. he, he and Schmidt were together while what was it? Um, no, it was, it was, it was the, the you know, concussion, right? Yeah, that was that
3: oh,
2: really yeah.
0: Out. yeah, I think that's when otherwise, we had developed.
3: the – or Dylan has always been with.
0: Right. No, I think Hanel was right. playing a stretch of games at that point. He spent time with Pionk and played like a game or two with Schmidt. I think that was re- mm, No.
1: Yeah. that's No, right. I think
2: this is when we had the Stanley and uh, Bull U uh, pairing <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of games there.
3: The Legion of
1: Doom. <laughs> Nightmare blunt rotation. 420 joke.
3: Yo. Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like, but like on the, on the forward side of things, like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not great at speculating at who I would say has kind of checked out. Um, I feel like Wheeler has been better in previous games, but I don't, I don't expect Connor to be calling out his captain. I guess, I guess you could say Shifley's checked out considering he has not been playing.
1: Well, um, I, I think I mean, before <laughs> that games has been the back half of this season. Like, I think he's actually looked not too bad in the last like couple of weeks, to be honest with you, before he got hurt. I that's always how it is. Hey, like Blake Wheeler had his best game before he was out for a few months. And like, I thought has looked pretty good the last couple of games. But like, again, he's he was scoring a little bit more dialed in and he was scoring. Yeah. Like I, Which, maybe, maybe that's shallow of me then.
3: Well, <laughs> no, but I mean like that, if, if he's going to play how he will like defensively as if as long as he's scoring to out, like outweigh the, the detriment he is uh, on defense, like that's fine to an extent. I'm not saying that he just necessarily deserves those minutes fully, but like at, at least, at least you can go, okay, I see why you're here. You know, when he's not scoring, it's like, what do you, what do you do here? Are you, are you a, are you a top line center? Are you a, a liability who like could play like second
0: line? I don't know. I also think some of it might be um, like the team's just not very good. And like sometimes when teams are so expected, true. team yeah, <laughs> teams are <laughs> expected to be good. Like everyone thought the Jets were going to be good this year, and then they just they they were pretty decent to start, and then they weren't very good after, and just have been bad lately. And I think sometimes when that happens, people automatically go to okay, well, they're not working hard, um, they're just mentally checked out.
1: The people onus is that. on the players.
3: Onus is on the players.
0: <laughs> People automatically go to that when, you know, maybe they're just not a very good team. And that's just what getting outclassed by other teams nightly looks like.
3: Yeah. I, okay. So I have, I have something I, I feel like I kind of want to bring up. So we often hear when, cause obviously we have Hallibuck and he's fantastic. Um, but obviously he has his games where he's not, you know, the mo- the sharpest, uh, I mean, just like every, every goalie has their games. Um, and then you see like games where Comrie comes in and then you always hear the same thing from the, the announcers though, the, the team plays bigger in front of Comrie. They, they make sure, you know, he, they, they support him back there. And like, I'm not sure if that's true. I just hear, I can say verify it all the time. That if... um, please go ahead. and if I'm going to, can... I'm going to,
0: I'm going to pull up but, hockey guys here. And, uh... but
3: the, 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 th- The thing is, I have to ask is why, like, why can a team, if that is true, put it on for their, their backup goalie. And like, I I don't think that that's the sole reason why Comrie's having a a decent season. I've, I've been very, very happy with him so far. I think he's been more than fine as a backup, um, which is not what I expected from him when I, when I got the, when I saw that he was going to be our backup this season, but um why is it that the team just can't give Hellebuck the support? Like that's, that seems like, like such a a no brainer as to go, okay, well there's one thing we can address and go, why is it that we play like this in front of this goalie, but we can't play like that in front of uh, Hellebuck. I don't know.
0: I don't really have an answer for you. I never really, I never really noticed if they were playing better with Comrie or Hellebuck. Um, I just kind of watch how they're playing without really any, any thought to who's in net. If they have good goal, if they have good goaltending performance, which has been the case for the majority of this year, I don't care what people say. Hellebuck has been pretty darn good for mm-hmm. most of the year. He hasn't been a Hellebuck, but, um, for what's know, in front of
3: him, he's playing great i don't know
0: still like a top 10 goal saved above expected this year well, that's so. exactly
1: it like that's again what people start it's like you know you always it comes down to oh my gosh there are only this many shots and he has this many goals scored against him like that's either good or bad and stuff and it's like i just wish that people would st- stop with the blanket assessments of these things but it's like the quality of these shots like these shots that the this team is generating like They are, you know, super high danger. They're coming in off the rush super well because we're not defending the line whatsoever. Or, you know, they're able to get a shot off with absolutely no screen or um, with a really great screen in front that has nobody tying up a stick, anything like that. Like this man faces very, very high, like Mm -hmm. shots that should be goals regularly like Brian said that's this is me mansplaining what a goal save about expected is. but <laughs> I'm I was saying that like when you if you're just walking by when the tv's on and you notice you're like oh Jets have two goals against and they only have like 15 shots against them it's like okay but maybe they have it's like shots are 15 all and the Jets are losing two nothing like 10 of those Jets shots are probably Logan Stanley flubs from the top that <laughs> just hit the bottom of a pad And then the rebound is scooped up by the defending team and they carry it up the ice. And it's like the shot never happened kind of thing. Like I just like no stat, and I'm not talking about like advanced, whatever, like the, the shots, whatever, they're not telling of kind of what goes on when you watch the team, they get hemmed into their own zone. properly. They can't properly generate a lot of these quality shots that they're giving up the same quality that they're creating is not the same kind of quality that they're um, having on Connor Hellebuck. It's not the same. And it's like, that makes Connor Hellbuck look worse than he is unless you uh, kind of dive into the reasons why and the bigger picture as to how those shots are coming at him you know
2: the the one thing that I've noticed though in the last couple of games since it was time to put big Stan back in the lineup is that (laughs) big time he and I I I don't mean to harp on him anymore because I don't want to beat a dead horse here but I mean I that guy cannot and it's not only Stanley it's Dylan it's Pionk it's Pretty much everyone not named Morrissey or Demelo. Uh, but a lot of the time, like they're just sitting in their defensive zone and they'll pass it around. And then I mean a good forechecking team just gonna take it, throw it in front of the net, and you've got a wide open slot chance. And like how many times did that happen in the Tampa Bay game? Oh, I God. just feel like oh, I know, like it's it's just tough. I, I don't know. I yeah I don't the- feel that sorry, sorry, I'll just wrap this up. I, I, I don't feel that uh like they necessarily play better in front of Comrie, but i feel like Comrie has just i'm not All sure right. like he he has a lot of 30 something save nights and i just think i don't know i've uh, he's
0: i've got
1: he's also I've, been good like he's had a fine season yes he has,
2: Comrie been, has yep. been very good
0: especially for like the minutes he's played like if you average it out to per 60 like he's near the top mm-hmm. um and i have figured out per hockey viz. Um, It's basically the same defensively with Hellebuck (laughs) and Comrie on the ice, and actually, very—it's like a minuscule difference, but very slightly, very slightly worse in front of Comrie actually. And the and the offensive support has actually been worse with uh, with Comrie. I know that goes against my uh, my Hellebuck is. Um, the best goalie in town uh, narrative, which, I mean, I guess is...
3: Well, but Behalovuk's also played the most games of any goalie in the league. Like, that's got to wear on you. Oh, yeah, like...
0: absolutely. And, like, and yeah, he, he's been very good. Um, and the, I don't the le- care what anybody says.
3: The lesson here is don't ever listen to Kevin Sawyer <laughs> uh, or, anyone, <laughs> or anyone on the broadcast.
1: Also, um, I would just like to bring us back to about eight months ago when we were previewing the season and we thought our biggest problem was going to be getting a higher quality backup goalie. And that would be what would put us over the edge. Okay, that's not actually yeah. what we thought, but I just remember for myself, at least that was yeah. a concern for me. I was like, this end looks pretty good. Like I'm excited about these forward lines, Dubois revenge season, you know, whatever, but this goalie, he's exceeded my expectations and I'm very happy with him. And I'm totally fine with biting my tongue and saying that he might be better than I thought he was.
3: Yeah. And I, I- I think the issue comes back to coaching again. And I guess, I guess <laughs> if, if we want to allow the jets to have their, uh their, their excuses, the first off, starting with Paul Maurice and then the ghost of Paul Maurice, Dave Lowry uh probably isn't great for a team. And it seems like, like Lowry has like, I, I don't want to use the term lost the room, but like, I, don't know, I can't, I was reading something uh, Marat post or had in the athletic the other day. And it's just like him being like, basically just like not addressing questions being like, what's your role in all of this? <clears throat> and him being like, Oh, well, you know, we just got to make sure that the, the team goes in there and, and whatever. And like, he was yelling at them uh, after the, the Detroit game. It's like, I don't want to use the term lost the room" or think like that, but it's just like, uh, clearly he, and, and the situation he was dealt was not an easy one, like transferring away from Palm who was clearly a coach or a, a player's coach. Um, and then having just Lowry come in and be like, oh, okay, hey guys, I'm, I'm your new coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, probably wasn't great for him. Um, but I think, I think the biggest thing, just going back to what we were talking about before, was the transition D is, is clearly one of the biggest issues. The Jets just constantly are getting hemmed in their own zone. And then that also goes back to our, our other talk of, of playing, like taking Dylan Sandberg out of the lineup, for example. Over, yeah. over Stanley. And it's like, that's that's a guy who has played well in transition defensively, like better than Stanley defensively. Um, on uh, on Kenny and Rennie's show the other day, they were talking about how they wanted, to, they, they were wanting to make sure that Stanley got back into the lineup because potentially they were worried about what it could do for his confidence if he was out of the lineup and how it might have a more negative effect on him rather than... The positive effect it would have on Dylan Sandberg for playing the rest of the season, um, which and I just want... want to
1: talk about confidence in a player.
3: I just want to bring that when to Billy Hanula
1: <laughs> on like 30 professional games in the last two freaking years. Don't no immediately no. I can't. I can't. But no, it's just Thank ridiculous.
3: You, it's just ridiculous to accommodate the like third pair, like, and then like at highest, highest ceiling, potentially maybe, maybe a, a bad second pair
0: guy. Are we talking about Stanley Stanley Stanley? I'm saying, you're, I'm saying, if, uh, you're I'm saying he's mind a mind. If you think he's going to be a sec, if you, I, I'm not, I'm chance. not saying that I'm not at all <laughs> saying that
3: I'm just, I'm Six. giving that, that rope to whoever uh, is a pro Stan- being like, e- even if you want to say he's potentially that like, very clearly, Dylan Sandberg has shown that even already he can handle second pair of minutes to a certain extent, well, and will
0: only get better. I guess like, he did play. I guess he did play second pair of minutes in the first stretch of games. I'm, I'm he, just saying he's shown at least a competency to do
3: that. Because oh, whereas yeah. like Stanley, when
0: we threw him up on the second
3: pair, just got eaten alive.
0: I think like, we do have to be a little bit careful with. Um, overvaluing what Sandberg's done a little bit because he's been extremely sheltered, kind of like Stanley was last year, Mm -hmm. but I do really like what he's done, especially in that transition game. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh yeah. Yeah. For what I see for Logan Stanley, I think he's at best a number six at this point. And those guys you can get for real cheap, every off season there's a number of those guys you can trade a a sixth round or a fifth round pick for them usually like there's usually a a decent guy out there for cheap um so is it worth developing a guy who's got that ceiling when you can have one for a bag of pucks most of the time Mm -hmm. no um Uh, yeah i completely agree
1: and also it's like always with the with defensemen too it's like it's partners right partners is such a big factor in everything and logan stanley played how many games did he played last year 45 games i'll say whatever i bet you he played Something like that 95 yeah. of his minutes with dylan DeMello, which worked out really nicely for him and i don't want to credit josh morrissey on his own fantastic he is my gold star of the year i'm so happy with how he's looked super great He's looked good with Dylan DeMello as well. The two of them, I think, have been fine together, whatever. But Logan Stanley has had a lot more partner flip-flopping, none of which have been as good, in my opinion, as a stylistic fit as Dylan DeMello was, which probably has a negative impact. And like Brian was talking about, the whole idea of last year, he was playing with a good partner, and he was extremely sheltered, and he got a ton of ozone starts. This year, all of that has gone down quite a bit, and that's just kind of the nature of how it would happen for anybody in probably the NHL, and it's just you know reflected in his results a bit and that's just kind of the way that it is and like Jackson was saying like you don't want to harp on the guy too much because I know I'm pretty hard on him and everything at the end of the day that I dislike about him a lot of it comes down to his usage and not him as an individual and that's not fair of me to be so mean to him all the time but I am who I am and I'm not gonna stop so (laughs)
3: right he's six seven (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah I don't know it's just it's it's just crazy to see the priorities of the team and and like now that we you know we've had that ranger game where they've lost and they've been essentially mathematically eliminated like I wonder what we'll see in the next coming games but like what's the point of wondering we already like just I we can all make a safe assumption that like we probably aren't going to see a crazy amount of of change like I feel like maybe Chevy will mandate that, you know, Samberg gets back in and, or handle But I doubt it. Like I I would imagine like the Moose guys like Gustafson, um, and all guys who I'd love to see at the NHL level are going to stay down there for their Calder cup run. And also eventually they should
0: get the NHL games and then get sent down once the season's over for the Calder cup run. I don't see what's so hard about that. Honestly.
2: I, I see a lot of people complaining to saying like, Oh, you can't call them up because what if they get injured for the playoff push? And even if that were to happen, like who, who cares? Like, I don't know. I'm well, they could, like easily, they could just as easily get injured in the AHL for the, exactly. Run. Like they're, they're still playing games. The season ends at the same time. I pre- I think the AHL season ends a day before the last jet game. And it's, I, I, I just don't understand that because it, either way the same risk does the
0: hl season end first
2: <laughs> uh yeah it's april 30th uh and then may okay. 1st because our game got pushed back oh they so, can't yeah. also
1: like as awful as it sounds like the calder cup shouldn't really be the priority like it's no. an arm team it's your b team it's not like money
3: i was i was gonna say though like oh yeah because the playoff revenue from the hl is really gonna be mm-hmm. The the tickets. Yeah, it's gonna tickets. be crazy it's gonna be crazy yeah we
0: lost but out on I, all that uh, on the white on the street party and, uh, and the and the playoff the revenue.
1: Bud Light this Bud's for
0: <laughs> yo <laughs> the big <laughs> the big Bud
3: Light light for the Moose it's already gone <laughs> we we need it for the uh for the ice um but like I I feel like everyone's kind of romanticized the Calder Cup I feel like it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of like I hate to say like a bit of like a for us, it's a bit of a part- participation trophy, where it's like, let's be honest, we can all feel Congratulations. good.
0: Congratulations! We can all feel
3: good that the moose are going to to have a, a potentially good, like playoff run. They're you know they're one of the best team, one of the better teams in the AHL. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, who what, what does that matter? Yeah, build championship habits. I, I like, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that the Calder Cup, winning the Calder Cup, actually does anything for building a championship,
1: especially if Ooh. none of those guys ever get a chance to play on your actual team.
0: That's true. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I don't know, man.
0: I just wanted to note that. Um, I think a lot of people have had Dylan Sandberg jump ahead of Billy Hanala in, um, in terms of who's the, who's the better player as of right now. And I think that's valid if you have that, but Ville Hainala did face the toughest competition of between him, Sandberg and actually Stanley as well. This year, Heinle has faced the toughest competition of the three.
1: Yeah, um, like that's I think, 12. I think he
0: needs, I think he needs to get games mm-hmm. in the NHL, like regardless of, you know, a little bit of struggles in the most recent stint, which definitely happened, but
1: well, and that's, with defensemen in particular like I can't think of a single defenseman that's had you know a perfectly you know y over x rise over run trajectory of when they come into the NHL and get better and better and better like it goes it it's up and down man like it's not going to be perfect the worst thing you could do is stunt that and have it get chopped up for months at a time weeks at a time and then flipping them back and forth and stuff like that the growth the growth isn't linear right and you want to make sure that you're giving it as much time to sort of straighten out and go in an upward kind of motion from there but like it's hard with defensemen because they're so like like you said like billy hanel has been absolutely exposed in the couple of games that he's been in and i is that the best way to develop him probably not what is i don't know either but it's just it's really difficult um to see the growth that you want in a player when you're only giving them a few games at a time against really difficult competition
0: exposed I don't know like he's got his struggles defensively but he showed a help
1: but like the opposite of sheltered is more what I meant like okay
0: I see he had yeah um I thought I thought he showed a ton of confidence in that I think it was against Toronto in that in that last game he played and then I thought taking him out after that was absolutely crazy like I thought that was something (laughs) to build off every time I watch him there's something to build off of. And then they just take them out of the lineup. You see some growth and then it's just like, nah, you, you can't do that anymore. We got to throw It's, it's time. It's, it's time, time to make your game more boring. Put Big Stan back in the lineup. The big thing is it's time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
3: It's crazy. And like, just, just the fact that like, I don't know, going back to whenever it was like, how many how many off seasons have we been like? And this is the year that Villanueva will play is a regular and plays regular minutes. And I get that it's it's a bit different this year because you have you know they you have your off season trades for uh, Dylan and Schmidt. But like as we look at right at it right now, like we don't really see a, a future with them. I think the 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 Schmidt and and uh dylan experiment kind of really just exposed that there is something more to it than just you know fixing the people on d after bufflin and and myers and whoever uh truba left i can't believe i said myers before truba um (laughs) but but just going to back to that that those two off seasons um and and the biggest thing is like will the jets learn from this because again i'm sitting here looking at like for example Heinle is obviously handle is our our flagship guy but looking at his his hockey db and he's played 12 nhl games this year like what are we doing here like what's what is the point over three seasons he's played uh uh, i can do math uh, 25 nhl (laughs) uh sorry that was i had to i had to count but like I that's just not enough for your your top defensive prospect and like I'm glad to see Sandberg's getting into games and I think that Sandberg's can be a good guy but like obviously I mean like that I, at least they're giving him some games now uh, it sucks that he's leapfrogged Hennel even though Hindle is had probably has the higher definitely has the higher ceiling of the two
0: Hennel's got then- the higher ceiling he's also two years younger so I think he's got some more leeway there but. But I'm, I'm I think Sandberg h- needs to play games, too. I agree. I'm, I'm not going to It's a
1: frustrating thing to me because so I, I'm going to go a bit of an analogy here. OK, so I'm on a student association. I'm on the executive team and we pick a council. OK, every April we get a new executive team and you interview the team. And last year's executive team, if they haven't graduated, they're allowed to interview for a general accounts position as well. They have an advantage because they know the organization. They've developed a lot of the skills, whatever. So you put them at an even playing field. They aren't guaranteed positions, even though they're, you're their successor and then they, you've learned a lot from them, whatever. You can't guarantee them a position because it's not fair. Yes, they bring a lot to the organization, whatever, but that's already taken into account in how they interview, the way they answer their questions, whatever. I wish that, like right now, we're fighting over all these guys with one spot. Because we know Morrissey, DeMello, Pionk, Schmidt, and Dylan are locks. They just, that's where they stay. They just kind of have that given to them. And it's like, I understand, like, they people put a lot of stock into, oh, but he's like a bit of a veteran, whatever. Like, his role is this, that, whatever. Like, I wish it was slightly more performance-based. And, like, the guys are bound to perform a little bit better because they have more experience. They have more whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're performing you know well like i don't think they're awful or anything like that but just the fact that it's like oh he has all this going for him he's got the experience whatever whatever and since he has all that he's an immediate lock it's just not fair the fact that we're fighting over three guys who only have one spot when they should all three of them could be playing on any given night if we're actually justifying the choices based on who has earned a spot on any given night and that's just not the way that it's going
3: well and and the biggest thing going back to like how, you know, the, this offseason they decided to trade for Dylan and Schmidt. It's like, would that nece- have have to be necessary if last year guys like Hanola, guys like Sandberg got their time in and like actually potentially the organization was like, okay, maybe these guys can actually be, um like guys and then like down the line a month or two into the season okay actually no we do need another guy let's trade for yeah, let's, yeah. And, and and again this all could have been solved with trading schmidt at the de- or not schmidt uh schmidt jeff oh, jeez i can't even talk dylan trading dylan thank you uh <laughs> at the deadline i mainly say him because i think he would have fetched the most of return and also I think yeah he hasn't been great yeah. there's but-
0: definitely a market for him and it frees up an extra spot for a young guy who's i mean I think Samberg's shown at this point to be at least Dylan's equal. And then maybe, maybe Hanela as well. Who, who knows? But.
1: Uh, I feel I like just... Chris Mackling has brought it up several times and he phrases it in a really good way. And to me, it's just like, these are your own guys. Like, why don't you want your own guys to succeed? Right. Like these are the guys that you've drafted and stuff like that like your, your goal when you draft them should be to develop them, to play throughout the organization. And they just don't seem it's, you know, trade for these guys to bring them in, whatever, try and sign this guy, whatever, like, just, why don't you want your own guys to, you know, develop and play for your team?
0: See, I'm good with bringing in the new guys. Cause there's yeah. still questions with, with Hainal and Sandberg coming into the season. You don't know what they're going to do, but those it's, questions already could have potentially, uh, maybe process, not, but... they could have potentially been answered the year before if you had played them, you know, mm-hmm at least I just, I just want to game. build
2: off sorry I just I just want to build off that and a little bit of what Brady said and it's like even if even if you don't see the same ceiling with Sandberg or if uh, like if you don't think he'll be a top 4 guy even if you think he's just going to be a bottom pairing guy like now's the time to figure that out and it maybe like the last 5 games as well like yeah. Sandberg Villy even Gustafson if you want to throw him in there cuz i mean like what what can he do that totally or sorry what yeah the Tonanado can't right mm-hmm. yeah like, right so even if it's going to be like a lower lower end fit for your team if you don't see Gustafson being more than a like bottom six player who cares like you don't have to go fight you don't have to go overpay for a guy in free agency and I don't know they, they should have been doing this a couple of years ago and they did a little bit with Gustafson but now you're in a spot where Vili's 21 and Sandberg's twenty three, and you still got uh, a big stand in the lineup, where you don't really know what you have.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. He's a
3: project. He's 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 a project. But um, and I think I think also like another thing that like the Jets could really improve on is is evaluation of of their guys and also just like evaluation of the market around their guys because like a smart uh, a smart way to just in general, a smart way to live your life is to, to buy low and sell high, you know, you, you, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we bought low on Stanley for trading up on to get him. But at this point, if you assess him and you go, okay, this is a guy who realistically is going to be a third pair guy for us at best. Um, and it seems like all these other teams really like him. What, what's, what's the, what's the holdup? Oh, we have a, uh, a big uh, log jam at lefty okay why don't we trade the guy who's overvalued like I, I who we can easily get a bunch of picks back and if that going back to the expansion drafts like that was the big reason why people said that they wanted to keep him was that like he had a lot of value around the league and they definitely he would have definitely gotten taken and it's just like okay then why wouldn't you with that information like parlay that into a bidding war like yeah it's like you can you can easily get something for logan yeah. stanley that's more than he's worth for sure just like how we at this off season we could or this deadline we could have easily gotten more for dylan than what he's worth that's just how it goes you need to be able to assess the market and that's one of the things that like personally yeah. i don't love about chevy but you that's need neither to take there.
0: you need to take advantage of market inefficiencies especially in winnipeg when you don't have when you don't have players lining up to sign here mm-hmm. you know that's those are just the things you need to do
1: And also I just think that we talked about like the whole idea of the project, the project, the project, like I'm not opposed to projects. Like not every player is going to be perfect as soon as you acquire them, whatever. But the fact that they've also, they've decided that, you know, he's a project and there's only, we only have room for one not as good defenseman in our starting six. They're also hurting their other prospects by developing this project. If it was just a project on its own that wasn't requiring as many resources, whatever. And it was just like, you know, when he's ready, throw him in kind of thing. Like, this would be fine if the Jets were married to only having one of him, Hanula, Sandberg, Chisholm, whoever you want to name in the lineup at any given time. But both of those going hand in hand makes that whole sunk cost fallacy of Logan Stanley that much more frustrating. Mm-hmm.
3: That's exactly what I was going to say. Sunk cost fallacy. And and the Jets are, are a stubborn organization. We, like, we know that, obviously, at this point. Um, and it almost seems like they're just trying to uh, square peg in the round hole with Stanley and just trying to make it work just to be like, we were right to trade up for this guy because he's tall.
0: Uh, yeah. Or maybe they legitimately think that they were right. Maybe they just love oh, what God. they're seeing out there. <laughs>
1: that's, that's a little more concerning in my that's, opinion. That's a
3: much deeper issue.
0: <laughs> oh, if you don't think this team has deep issues. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm sure. Uh, I feel like we've talked a lot about the defense um, today. And I think, you know, a lot of, we always talk about like in the playoffs, and whatnot. like. At the end of the day, a defenseman's individual impact on a game is not almost as like significant as a forward is like the, your best right. forward is going to have a bigger impact on the game than your best defenseman. Um, so a lot of the results probably come from a lot of, the forwards probably underperforming and whatnot as well. We've touched on a couple of them. Um, Jackson, I know you mentioned before we started recording that you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, Morgan Barron and that there's been some pleasant surprises from that, but beyond that and beyond, like we already mentioned, Nikolai Ehlers, it's been a little bit of an underwhelming last couple of weeks. I don't know if you want to touch on that first.
2: Sorry on, on Barron or just the forward core. Uh, and Either or
1: I just, you can talk about Barron or or anyone else.
2: I don't know that. I mean, on, on the forward side, there's just not a lot to talk about early. Like, I don't know. Like a lot of the guys seem to have checked out or just aren't playing very well. I mean, Dubois looks pretty, I don't know, about half of what he was earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And then you take Shifley out of the equation and then you try to, I don't know. I, I just don't think Connor and Ehlers play too well together. They just don't seem to have the magic you'd think they'd have. Okay. Um, but I just don't get it. I mean, you know, you brought Barron in and at the time of the call-up, he, I think he played on the fourth line to start and he made his way up to the second line and he's like, continued to look really well, like really good. Uh, And then you just, you just take him off the top six and then you put him on a checking role, which he still played fine with. I thought he played really good with Appleton and Lowry, but I just, you know, you gotta, if that's, I mean, really the only prospect you have unless you count Sveshnikov, I don't know. Um, no no (laughs) but (laughs) yeah i don't know but uh I, i don't know i just think you'd play him a little bit more and like we talked about the confidence thing and i'm sure he's it's only grown but you'd think it would grow a little bit more if he continued to play with the guys that he was having success with
0: i think he's already 24 baron um
2: Yeah, so I don't know if
0: there's I don't know if there's a lot of runway for development. But to me, he's shown middle six ability, or at least third line third scoring line type ability. Like I think he could play well on a scoring line. He showed me a lot more skill than I thought. was going to show to be honest yeah no no just
2: just just to be clear i i don't think he's going to be much more than a middle six guy like i'm not thinking he's like going to be a really good second line player or anything i mean he is already yeah it's 23 or 24 but i was surprised i didn't think uh he would be too crazy of a prospect but
0: uh right i
1: totally agree like it's been great like You know, Shifley's now hurt. Wheeler was out for a few games. Connor had COVID, whatever. Like, having the guys that are able to jump up and do that and pleasantly surprise you is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that's where they have to stay. But it's like, you know, when you have, um, you know, if if you're a good Jets team from a few years ago, if your second line is playing really well and someone in your first line gets hurt, you can promote Matthew Perot from the third line and he's going to do a fantastic job keeping that line at the same level that it's at. Like, you have – having guys – that are able to fill in doesn't mean that they have to stay there. And I think that's an undervalued part of having a player like Morgan Barron has shown in his limited sample so far. I,
3: I think it also goes back to kind of like your philosophy when it comes to like building your lineup. And like, I personally subscribe very much to the like two guys and a third guy uh, on a, on an offensive line, two guys who play well together and then a guy who just compliments them. And mm-hmm. it seems like Barron has been exactly the, that like, he's been a great, just third guy, guy who can keep up. That is, that's all you need on a third line. Svechnikov showed that he could do that earlier in the year. Obviously he's not been as great recently, but also that has to do with, I would say more confidence stuff, but, um and also not playing on those lines, but like you, you look at, you look at how the the team has been built at this point and you have, okay, you have Connor and Dubois who've shown that they play well together. You've got Shifley and Ehlers who've shown that they can play well together. That it doesn't really matter who your third guy is on those lines. You obviously you want to have the best you can to you know complement them. That's why I think Sveshkov was great at the start of the year with Dubois and Connor. And for example, on the third line, or uh, sorry, on the on the Dubois or uh, geez, I can't even think uh, the Shifley Ealers line. It didn't really matter that like Blake Wheeler was playing in the top six at that point because he was still pitching in complimentary. And he was the third guy on that line. He wasn't acting as if it was Shifley and Wheeler show again. And then whoever is with them. Right. Um, And that's why I think we've, we've seen a a better year from Wheeler because he hasn't had to be a play driving guy on his lines when, even when he has been in the top six.
0: He's been okay at times. I haven't loved Wheeler. I I just think he disappears for stretches too much. I agree. Um, I just, I'm more just saying that like, He's
3: been better than expected. We we all thought that he was going heavily down the the uh, the age regression, and he's been. I would say, at least output wise, I think he's been more okay. I think uh, definitely,
1: absolutely, yeah,
3: not up to his contract, but never he will never be up to his contract. But like he's been fine. I don't mind him if he's not, or if he's like. I think on a second
0: line, I think he'd be good as a third liner who's playing (laughs) like 14 minutes a night kind of thing pp specialist keep keep his energy kind of thing because once in a while you still see those bursts and he does some good things but it's not nearly often enough and i think i really think that he's trying to keep his endurance up half the time
3: yeah and but that's also an ideal scenario where like obviously we look at we look at the team right now and go okay we have guys that can bump them down to a third line if you if you play you know Svechnikov on the second line if you play Perfetti on on the first if you play whoever but like that's an ideal situation on a on a cup if the Jets were a cup contending team Wheeler would be on the third line unfortunately we haven't gone to that point where like it's either one obvious enough to the coaching staff that you can do that or two they just don't think that he fits down there and that he should be in the top six um either way that needs to be resolved at some point
1: i would just like to say though that as far as like contract efficiency goes with our top like six forwards or so i'd say we're still like like we talk about wheelers cap hit whatever but like there are other teams like we have one guy who's not performing up to his contract level. And, you know, you can talk about, you know, it was a loyalty contract, blah, blah, blah whatever. But you still have Nikolai Eulers who's severely underpaid. Kyle Connor who is making exactly what he should, if not less. Mark Schreifle was underpaid, whatever. It's like contract efficiency wise, I feel like this team is still doing fine with their top end players, which is like when you have, you know, your top heavy other teams that are having nine plus million dollars tied up in several guys. Like, I don't. Hate Wheeler's contract that much just because I think it evens out fine.
3: I just don't like his usage. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, but also, it
1: goes back to like what I was talking about when I was saying, like, you know, we only have one spot for our defenseman because our five are a lock. It's like he's your captain. He's been here the longest and he makes the most money. So therefore, this is where he goes.
3: I get what you're saying, but also, like, when you can, like, the Jets were over the cap this year. And they are very clearly not a good team. So like that, uh, like I, I I get what you're saying in in that we do have some contracts that are
1: contract deficiencies. No, I, 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 bottom six is a mess. Don't worry.
3: (laughs) I, I completely agree. I just think that it's like, it's, it's, it's death by a thousand paper, paper cuts kind of thing where it's just, you cut you like, yeah, he, you know, Wheeler maybe is playing at like a $5 million level instead of an $8 million level we can argue about if that's true or whatever, but just in general, it's, it all adds up is more what I'm getting at. And at the end of the year, like we were not in the playoffs and we were a cap team. We're over the cap.
0: Your biggest problem contract wise is I guess on defense, you have three guys who are making collectively. I'm going to try and do the mental math here and it's not going to be very good. Um Uh, 9.8 plus pionk you have almost yeah you have about 15 million tied up in three defensemen who are collectively playing at about replacement level and dylan pionk and schmidt
3: i wouldn't say pionk's at replacement level but i I would
0: say he's at replacement level this year
3: i know he hasn't been great but i i think that that's a bit harsh in my opinion, but I, I get, I get where you're coming from. Um, but I also think that the, the jets haven't really put Pionk in a spot in a, in a, in a great spot to succeed. I feel like he succeeds best when he is, uh, an offensive guy, a guy who's allowed to roam a little bit more. Whereas I think that the system that they're playing is way too locked down. And I feel like they, they need to really
0: commit to their, I don't know. Last year he did well last year was his best year and it wasn't exactly go do what you want I don't know I think I, I don't know what's wrong with him this year It's I think
3: honestly I think it's 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 post injury stuff I, I, I think that next year he'll be uh, much better and also like you know uh, sometimes there's there's just some stuff going on uh, obviously. It's true. Like, like more, like for example, Morrissey. Uh, I'm sure you guys all read Marat's article. Yeah. Like you know, there's always some stuff going on uh, behind the scenes. I'm not using that as a blanket excuse for Pionk's poor play, but I think that an injury and potential, and you know, having a, a coaching switch in the middle of the year can do enough to to you know have you not have a great year. Um, obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make uh, drastic decisions on a guy like pionk whereas i think there's much clearer uh guys to that are in the in the
0: crosshairs for um you know to be i moved. would if you tra- i would if you could trade him for the right guy like yeah. i did i did a couple armchair gms on uh, on cap friendly and uh i like if you could trade him for connor garland i would do that yeah but then I
3: guess. Uh, I guess I was gonna say that, that opens a whole. Anyway. which but D, anyway, it's not the point. Um, who
1: do you take it, out
0: for Connor Garland?
1: I was just joking. It's, it's oh, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: usually usually we talk about that on defense.
1: I know. Uh, I know. Yeah. No. It's just. I, it's my favorite quote. The who do you take out? Who do you take
0: it. out? Yeah. Yeah. It's, no. I. Uh, it took me a minute to
3: to to click. Guys, I'm not with
1: it. I am. I'm also violently refreshing the raptors are in overtime right now so
3: oh no oh, yeah
1: you go on bonkers but
3: <laughs> do we just end it know. there <laughs> <It's> just,
1: uh... <laughs> how long have we been going <laughs> no i was just gonna say like all in all it's just been the kind of thing like we can sit here and we can try and dissect what's going on from our perspective and from what we see we can chat um and it's just long and the short of it is as fans it kind of sucks like it's just been it like really a... does Nah. and rough. again we've talked about this so many times i just this is sports or entertainment i want to be entertained give me something to be excited about let my team be good or if they're not good let me get excited about the future and i'm not feeling either of those things That's, right now. And it's just it's a long yeah it's, I, it's been I, a long couple of years
0: <laughs> i think you hit the nail on the head there yeah. with you either want to be excited about the now or the future give me one or give me like you, you're obviously not excited about the now but as a bonus you're not watching the games I mean you're watching the games and you're not watching a whole bunch of your prospects like you're still watching Logan Stanley in the lineup every game you're watching Zach Sanford in the top six you're That's
1: exactly it like people talk about like you know we all shit on the Ottawa Senators they've just been a little bit of a nightmare the last couple of years but like I would be fired up if I was a sense fan. Every year more and more of these good players coming in, it's just a matter of time before they start coming and, together and having some real superstars on their team. That's exciting and that's
3: And they're a, they're a fun and feisty team. Like they're like the Jets are just boring. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's so I find it so difficult to watch the Jets the, recently. Like it's just been like every game just feels like I'm just wasting time. Like the the, the, the Rangers chase, game
1: stagnant power play, like it's all
3: yeah, I'll, I'll admit I could barely keep focus on that during the Rangers game. Like it, it was the it was it was fun to watch like Panarin and and Zibanejad and Cops have their fun against the Jets, but like that's
1: it, that's it. That's I, all. Of- that's not what you want. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think last game was the first game that I didn't see any of this year. I think I've caught at least bits and pieces of every game aside from last night's game. You didn't, you didn't
3: he miss didn't much. Miss I'll be much. Honest. It was brutal. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like just nothing happened. It just and and like not in like a good like yeah we're shutting them down way like in uh we didn't score at all and uh the other team was much better than us and yeah. like the and and the Rangers aren't even uh, like a crazy elite team like they've got a good goalie they've got some great players up front but they're not you know a, a Florida a Tampa no.
0: but. We'd like to see him go on a run in the playoffs, though, get us that first round pick.
3: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I'm going to be a Rangers fan the this, this second May turns.
0: I can't wait. It'd be fun yeah, cheering for bummed. Cop and Truba as well. Be- you a- well, you can you can do that too because they're in a different division than the Rangers.
1: No, no, I was just no because I don't want to venture out. I don't want oh. a team that acquired Ben Sherrod as their big splash <laughs> to succeed. Come on. Funny, it, funny thing. Just because I'm selfish and I want to be right. Not because there's anything wrong with the man. He seems lovely. Don't, don't get me wrong.
0: <laughs> funny thing. Ben Sherrod has not looked bad at all with the looked Panthers really so far. Panthers and is
1: a, they're a really good team. It's, though. It's, it's if that like,
0: said, yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's Florida. And Mackenzie Weger seems to be able to carry literally anybody to elite results so it's has he not
3: been life. like has he not been third pair like also like hasn't he been playing with like Radko Gudis which like I'm not saying like Radko Gudis is bad I'm just being like
1: but Radko, he's I, not kind of he's bad.
3: not uh, a top he's not forced to be a top pair guy like how he had to be in in like Montreal or no
0: the the only games I've watched he's been with Mackenzie Weger and oh but been... oh
3: but um what's his name uh who's hurt what what's his name uh, Ekblad Ekblad's hurt but that's why yeah
0: is Ekblad coming back uh, I think
3: he's done for the season but he'll be back in playoffs I but that was... I
0: really think this is not the Florida centric podcast but I really think that Florida should uh they should split Ekblad and Uyghur because Uyghur does just as well without Ekblad and Ekblad should do really well regardless without Uyghur mm-hmm. they're both excellent defensemen
1: they're a fantastic team. And I, I honestly I agree. Like Uyghur has shown that he's like a very high quality defenseman. But um yeah, R- having R- Florida R- as my third favorite team for the last few years is finally gonna guys, I'm on the OG band bike and I'm gonna a lot of people R- don't think that they have what it takes to win in the playoffs, but I think they're a strong team. So um, I like Florida.
3: Remember we were uh t- oh, Jesus, remember when we were talking about trading uh Jack Roswick for Mackenzie or Uyghur? <laughs>
0: it was like Roslovik and a and a pick or something. And a pick, yeah.
3: The the classic and a second is just like that's the classic <laughs> armchair GM. You should go this guy and a second and yeah. then whoever. <laughs> oh man. It's it's just It's hilarious how it's like uh hockey twitter and like Jay JF- like you know, guys who 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 post their like this is what market value this guy should be getting. And you look at, like, a, you see Devin Taves, like, three years ago, and you're like, oh, he's, he should be making $9 million. Like, who's this guy on the aisles? Blah, blah, blah this and that. And then he goes to the Avalanche, and he's, like, one of the best D in the league. And then same thing with, like, Weger. Like, Weger is a guy who should be making $9 million. You're like, I barely heard about this guy. We could probably trade, trade Jack Rosley for him. <laughs> and he's then immediately one of the best
0: players He got, he, he got Norris votes last year.
1: As he, should, as
0: he
3: should my boy but like it's just it's just hilarious how it's like damn why is there so much uh public information on all these guys and like uh, and teams can't make the right decisions like it feels like the NHL is so so backwards i mean there's some teams that actually embrace analytics and stuff like that not that they're the end all be all but they very clearly can correlate to uh, a team being better um it's just, it's just frustrating, man. It's just so frustrating watching how dumb GMs are. Sometimes.
1: Um, five games left in the season. How do the Jets go?
0: This is the part where I leave, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who do they play? I don't Carolina think it tomorrow. Okay, so that's a loss. Colorado.
2: Colorado
1: once and Calgary once for sure.
3: Okay, so those are all Still losses. One
2: in five, one in Seattle. one and
3: Seattle's a loss too. <laughs>
1: I'm just, I'm just gonna say they're gonna
3: lose to them too.
1: I say two and three.
0: I think one, three, and one. The last time I was overly optimistic about this team, I got burned <laughs> in the ass. Oh, and five. That's fair.
2: Yeah, I got one and four.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Brian, uh, how dare you? Oh, You're always such an optimist.
3: What What if they play their? What if they play the kids though? Then Then it might. It might actually be better.
0: Ivan O. Put Villy in the lineup. That just that'd make them Stanley Cup contenders again. Billy in fact, yeah. Yeah. You put Villy or in the lineup. They actually might magically, mathematically be able to make it again. That's how and good once they're
1: in the playoffs, it's lights out. Are you it's kidding lights yeah. out.
0: Colorado doesn't stand a chance.
1: Not a chance.
0: It's not against <laughs> Billy or.
1: <laughs> but I can't believe that after if you would have told me last summer that the jets and vegas were not going to make the playoffs i don't know what i would have said i just would have chuckled i would have been like are you serious right now but (laughs) here we are
3: oh and also that vegas would get eichel and also miss playoffs. that's
0: (laughs) crazy that's nuts
1: anyways anyways um we'll have lots to talk about once the season is closed out and we can sort of look back at everything, talk about, you know, look at the specific numbers and look at the specific kind of results on uh, different situations, all that fun stuff, whatever. But um, yeah, a bit of an underwhelming season as far as expectation goes. Some of us were more excited than others. Some of us were more pessimistic and more optimistic than others. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure everyone was expecting the Jets to do better than finishing, um, you know, six points outside of a card spot or whatever. So I think that um, it's safe to say that we are just in our – complaints and in our disappointments and stuff like that but obviously everyone watches the game differently observes the game differently and cares about things differently so to each their own always happy to have you come along and, and listen and contribute your thoughts through social media and all that fun stuff um the 76ers won philadelphia made a three-pointer at the very buzzer beater at oh. the time
0: brutal anyway wrap this up so I can uh, go cry face.
1: yeah <laughs> just sports man why why are we here what do we what do we do this for I just need the football season to start again so I can start watching good sports and not care about any of the teams oh yeah sorry totally. um always a pleasure um appreciate it guys we'll be in touch over social media in the near future we appreciate you guys bearing with us and yeah stay tuned for a lot of stuff in the offseason kind of smaller picture bigger picture probably some interviews probably some fun stuff along the way so um brady jackson brian thank you again and everyone have a good night i'm Kirk Kilback, and thank you for listening to the jet-centric broadcast